Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. Can we just... Aiden, good Lord, girl. Come on. Killing it. Killing it on the keys. Uh, and if I have a, a an pastor, an able-bodied human, someone that could just tap that heat real quick, that'd be fantastic. You did it, my love. My love. Oh my gosh, it's like the Holy Spirit. That one just just goes. It's awesome. Oh well, good morning. Are you glad to be found in the house of God this morning? I mean. He's, he's here, and he's moving, and he's active, and he's, he's doing more in these moments in his presence than ever before. I mean, it's like a swelling. It's like a groundswell that's happening in this room Sunday after Sunday. It doesn't matter who's, who's leading worship, what instruments we have and what instruments we don't. It doesn't matter what's taking place other than just hearts that are ready to be filled by him eager to be filled by him. People who are saying, I will be a living vessel, a burning bride for you, Lord. If you're going to come, if you're going to burn upon the earth, let it be here, Lord. Amen? Do I have a burning bride in the house this morning? I can't quit crying and it's obnoxious and I hate it. Um, I'm that guy. Don't worry about it. Oh man, well this morning we are definitely continuing our series, uh, well nah, I keep saying series but that's just because I'm used to things, uh, it's really just our prophetic word for this church, for this house, for the, the next X amount of months, the next 11 months, we are, we are called to set fire upon the earth coming out of Luke 12, that is the word that was given to us as a house and it's just, it's ringing true so far, I mean we had our first season aka our glory nights and they were fire, amen. Come on, we had our fire fast, and that was fire, amen. And then we had our first fruits offering last week, and that was fire, amen. And that's actually still going on, and we haven't talked about it a whole lot this morning, and that's fine. Um, but out there at our welcome center, there are still first fruits offering cards that you can scan the QR code on, give, all that good stuff. We'll leave it open for this week and maybe part of the next, but we're looking forward to announcing that because what the Lord has done through you co-laboring with him, being in co-mission with him, man, it's incredible. It's incredible. Spoiler alert, it is the largest, most monumental offering this church, this house has ever received. $80 and a word from God. And five years later, full of laboring and tears and heartbreak and glory, it's led us to this point. And I, I'm so enamored. I'm so enamored. I'm so arrested. I'm so gripped in this season for what the Lord Jesus is doing in our midst that there is, there's nothing better than this. Amen.
so hard to move on from this moment, but I know that church isn't all all worship. It's worship moments like this. It's 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 both ministering to God and then equipping the saints. Sometimes I just want to stay ministering to God. But this morning, if you're taking notes, feel free to grab those out on or around your seat. Young Micah this week, he uh, went through all the seats and put a bunch of prayer journals in there. So those are restocked. You can have those. Take those with you. Those are for you. But grab your notes. And if you're taking notes, the title of my message this morning for what I believe is week six of Fire Upon the Earth is Branches on Fire. Branches on fire. Branches on fire. And if you got your Bibles, bust those bad Jacksons out. If you don't have one, there's a bunch out there. You can go and help yourself and take them and use them and mark them all up and make them your own. There will also be a Sky Bible behind me as well. And would you guys just give it up for Kenny and Kelsey holding it down in the booth. There's a few things as you're turning there that I want to say. One of them is, I love doing this with you. It's amazing. And if you're someone who is feeling the the call and the tug and willing to go the distance with obedience to serve in the house of God, we got a few areas that we could, I'm going to be blatantly honest with you, that we actually need like help in. Like we need, we need people to, to come alongside, take over kids. We really do. We need, we need people who love God, who love the next generation, not just babysitters, but we are equipping young saints. There are young lions in those rooms, and what we do in those back two rooms in this time determines what his bride looks like in their time. So you can sign up at the Welcome Center, and we could, we could use you, and they could use you. But know this, it is, like, the ask is once a month. As we grow, that could turn into more, but it's only once. It's a pretty easy commitment. But the once a month to lead and to teach is, is, is far less as great as the need to be consistent in their lives. I don't know what home you grew up in. I know what home I grew up in, but I know that in all homes, the number one thing that matters in a family is consistency. Amen? So don't just volunteer and then not show up. No, no, no. You, you volunteer and you lay your life down for those little ones. And I promise you the reward in heaven will be great. And I tell you this, the mark on their lives and the impact their lives make will be great. Yes. Amen? Let's get to the word of God. Come on. <sighs> Branches on fire. We're coming out of John 15, 1 through 11. If you're there, say I'm there. One of us on the way to heaven. It is awesome. Let's go. John 15, 1 through 11. It's on the sky Bible behind me. No worries, saints. <sighs> I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. 
Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless, somebody say unless, it abides in the vine. Neither can you, somebody say unless, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do what? You do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire, burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified and that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. Prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. We're going to pray, and we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead. Amen? Join me. Father God, we just thank you for this moment. Lord, you're, mm, oh, you're here. You're too kind. You're too great. You're too wonderful. You're too merciful. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy. You are holy. The universe, God, declares your majesty. Oh, Lord. Lord, we came to get wet this morning. Lord, we came to leave with oil on us, Lord. Today, Lord, we came for the real thing, Lord. Today isn't about religion. Today isn't about a check-in. Today isn't about showing our face so people know we're still members here. No, God, today, Lord. Today, we came. We came for a meal. We came for a seat that has our name on it at your table. We came today, Lord. Because we love our Father. So Father, in these next few moments, God, would you just do something so radical. Lord, we pray it every bloody week, God. And we are believing and we are contending for it. Today, God, I ask for an open heaven. Today, God, I ask for a thin place. Today, God, I ask that the wind between this 3584 Roger B. Chaffee warehouse and your throne room would dissipate and we would hear you, we would see you, we would touch you, we would sense you, we would be so close to you, God. That the only explanation for what happens in our midst this morning is that the Lord opened the heavens and he poured out on his people. Lord Jesus, you're the reason we hear. You're the reason we exist. You're the reason we breathe, God. We have, we, have relented, we have relented and we have relinquished our lives to your cause for what you want to do in the earth. So take us today, Lord. Take us to those places, Lord. Father, take these branches and set us on fire. We love you, we love you, we love you. Holy Spirit, come. Every other spirit, every other spirit that is not the Holy Spirit, go to hell. But Holy Spirit, you come here and you rest on us. Be in us, God. 
be in us, God, for our sake, but rest on us for our neighbor's sake. Lord, come and have your way in this moment. And we'll be careful to get out of the way and give you all of the glory. In Jesus' mighty name of faith-filled church said, amen. Help us just turn and high-five somebody real quick. Just real quick. Just one high-five. Just one high-five right there. One high-five. Oh, man. All right. (laughs) Branches on fire. Branches on fire. Branches on fire. Um, In this season of church this year, this prophetic word. I mean, God has just royally messed us up. He has royally messed us up and I'm grateful for it. He has ruined all my plans. He has, he has hijacked every idea I have. He has taken his rightful place as the head, as the priest, as the pastor of this house and he is just doing what Jesus wants to do. Are you grateful for it? Because I am. I am. It is so much easier to pastor this church when I know that I'm being led by the high priest. Amen. And I got to tell you, I'm so grateful for the high priest because he was like, we're, I was in my prayer closet and we're doing this thing and I was running away from this scripture reference. Okay. I was running away from it. I was, I was like, kept coming back to him like, God, I'm not doing that. Get out of here. And he's like, did you just tell me no? And I had that moment. <laughs> ah. You see, what happened was and I start explaining away. And I'm like, Lord, this time last year, I preached almost the same exact scripture reference. I'm like, Lord, I can't just, I can't go back to it that soon. I gotta get some more oil on it. Some more time's gotta separate. And he goes, Matt, this isn't about the last time you preached this verse. This is about me telling my bride something. And it was at that moment I sat down, I was humbled. And he says, Matt, can you get over yourself long enough so that I can get to my bride? Listen, y'all thought I was hardcore last week. He talks to me way hardcore, okay? Way hardcore. But I think that's a word for everyone. I think that's a word for everyone, not just me. Let me, let me share this around a little bit. Let me share this rebuke from on high a little bit. Friends, come on. How many of you know there are areas and there are moments in our life where God, he is just sitting on his throne. Jesus' eyebrows, they are up, and he is looking at you going, would you please get over thyself so that I can get to my bride? And that's a, that's a word for the church in this hour. That's a word for you and me in this hour. That's a word for us when we're at our workplace. That's a word for us when we're in life crews and small groups. That's a word for us when we're worshiping. That's a word for us when we're feeling like we are being brought to our knees, but we're too embarrassed to be on our knees. When we start crying, but we can't, we can't own the cry because we don't want people to look at us. And Jesus is on his throne looking at his bride, saying, you individual, Matt, would you get over yourself long enough so that I can get to my bride? And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for the God that we serve that when I am hung up on myself, he still wants to use me. That when you are hung up on yourself, he still wants to speak through you. That when we are getting in his way, he still desires to use us as his way of conveying who he is to a dead and dying, broken world, amen? That he wants to use us to edify and equip his bride. Friends, I wanna give you a mission. It's not just mine. 
I'm the pastor of this house. Adrian and I, we lead this charge. That's amazing. I love it. That's great. What a mantle. But friends, if you're a part of the bride, part of your job in the bride is to beautify the bride. We're getting ready. What bride in history has ever gotten ready by herself? I wasn't invited to that moment before our wedding, but I'm assuming there was other people in the room with my bride. We're bride getting ready together. Amen. And so I love this portion of scripture. I do. You see, last week with the message, the distinct service got so buck wild and the Holy Spirit was doing his thing and it was amazing and it was off the charts and we still had to take up an offering at the end. So I had to like skirt a few things. And one of them was the whole point of the, the message being called the distinct, <laughs> and, and it was just funny. Um, the Lord's like, yeah, 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 it's all good. Just go. <laughs> and uh, I love when he does that. But one of the things that I love so much about that word, the distinct, is because Moses is literally telling God, he is saying, listen, listen, listen. If you send an angel, don't even bother. We're not going. If you don't go with us, if you don't go before us, if you don't go into the promised land with us, it's not the promised land without the promiser, amen? It's not the promised land without the promise giver, amen? Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I know this is a little bit of a review, but then he goes like this. He goes, after all, if we go without you, what makes us distinct? What makes us the distinct what separates us, what distinguishes us from every other people group on the face of the planet. I think that's something that we as the church, we've got to reckon with. Something we as the bride, we have got to reckon with for far too long. I kind of feel like we have lived We've not lived as a distinct people. In fact, we've, we've assimilated quite well into our modern society. I wonder, I wonder if, if God is continuing to search the earth for faith, I wonder, is the bride is she is as, this, I'm trying to think how to say this word. Bear with me. Can Jesus distinguish between us and them? Is there a distinctness about us that separates us from every other people group on the planet? Are we a bride on fire? Are we a bride getting ready? Or are we just at every other people group on this planet that gathers together around common interests? Or are we a distinguishable people? See, I love this scripture verse and that's probably why the Lord leads me back to it all the time but it's like Father I'm going to be honest I, I feel like I've preached the best messages on that verse already God and then you go my bad I'm an idiot you don't even got to say anything just 
the fact that that just came out of my mouth is a rebuke enough, Lord. My apologies. Because <laughs> the word of God goes forth and doesn't return void, amen. It's always speaking. And so I love this portion of scripture because here's Jesus and, and he's, he's really, what he's doing here is he is explaining our relationship to him, to the Father, and to the Holy Spirit. And he's, he's laying it out in such language, especially to disciples of 2,000 years ago, that for them and in their society, this would have been mind-blowing. This would have been a revelation. This would have been probably some of the craziest things Jesus had ever said. And everything Jesus said was completely crazy and contrary to everything they lived and believed. Amen? He's like... I am. And they're like, that's what the bush said to Moses. You can't say that. Jesus is like, no, I am. I am that I am that I am. And I think that for some of us today, this first statement, I wish that we could spend a month on it. I do. I wish that we could. I wish that we could bunker down and we could look at this first statement of how Jesus starts this off and spend time there. But what the Lord has led me to do is over the next couple months probably, I was like, Lord, where are we going? Where are we going? What are we doing to make this bride burning? And he goes, you want to be a burning bride? You look at the last lessons of Jesus. And I was like, okay. He's like, you look at the last lessons of Jesus. And obviously we know it's certainly not the end all of Jesus' lessons. And don't get hung up on the wording right there, okay? He's always talking, he's always moving, he's always reproving and growing and making his bride awesome. But he led me to John 15, to John 16, to John 17. He led me to Acts 1 and then to the book of Revelation. And so really that's for me, like there might be other people who speak on the roster in this time frame, but for me, this is going to be where you and I are going. This is where you and I are heading. This is the direction and trajectory he has for us. If we're going to be a burning bride in this hour, the way he's called us to burn, then we're going to, we're going to bask in, we're going to marinate in the last lessons of Jesus. Amen? I mean, after all, these are the words that Jesus spoke that set a world on fire. It changed the entire world. It changed these disciples, men and women alike, so much that they shaked not just the Roman Empire at its core, at its base, at its foundation, but it literally changed the world. Twelve disciples, hear me, got a revelation of who Jesus is. And it changed the world. change the world and so friends if there's a better place to go for the next few months I don't know what it is so we're going to bask we're going to marinate and we are going to bunker down and this is where we are going to spend that time and so Jesus he is just saying amazing and inflammatory things and I love it he pulls zero punches here but but truly this first statement Friends, hear me today. If we, if we got a revelation of what Jesus says here, you'd never be the same. You wouldn't live the same. You wouldn't think the same. You wouldn't love the same. You, nothing about you would be the same. Jesus, he literally starts it off and he goes, I am the true vine and my father is the true vine dresser, right? That's what he says. 
He starts it off and he goes, I am the true vine and my father is the true vine dresser. And right there, we got to pull into the station of pause because that's massive. First of all, he is declaring his messiahship. He is declaring his lordship. He is putting every other false fake and phony vine on the earth, everything else that vies for your attention, everything else that vies for your affection, everything that vies for your attachment. He is letting it know and he is letting us know, I am the true vine. And he's declaring his messiahship and his lordship. He is agreeing with that Old Testament language that he used in the burning bush with Moses and he is saying, I am. Are you God? I am. Are you the one who was? I am. Are you the one who is? I am. Are you the one forever? I am. Are you the creator? I am. Are you the sustainer? I am. Are you the grower? I am. Are you the pruner? I am. I am. Are you the king of heavens and earth? I am. And he's letting these disciples know at this moment whose lives up until then were completely surrendered, given over to, inundated, and educated by Jewish law, old Israel letters, the Torah. That is what they knew. That is what they worshiped. And all those things are great. We love the Old Testament. Old Testament freaking rules, okay? Hear me today. We, unlike some other people, will never unattach from the Bible, okay? All right? Y'all could be apostasies and heresies on your own. We'll stick with Jesus, thank you. Okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't Google it, depress you. But he's saying, I am. And then he says, I am the true vine. This, this language is, is amazing because what Jesus is putting on notice here is everything in you that longs to attach. Everything in you that longs to give your affection. Everything in you that longs to give your attention to all of these lesser vines. You see, we live in a world right now, friends, where the world has its own religion, has its own culture, has all of its own stuff that celebrates, whether it's sexual revolution that's taking place right now, all of these things that politics have become religion, all of it, offense has become religion, media has become religion. I mean, it's... <laughs> You can look right now, they sure don't want Jesus involved, but they sure do love religion. It's just the one that they made in their own image and likeness. And Jesus, he puts all of those things that you and I, we got to watch out for, that want our affection, that want our time and our talents and our attention. And he goes, no, no, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I believe today if we got a revelation that Jesus is the one true vine, we would never live the same again. Pastor Matt, I feel like you're repeating yourself a lot. Yes, because I need this to sink in to us this morning. Because here's the deal. A lot of us, we treat Jesus, we might say Jesus, we might agree with Jesus being the one true vine, but we don't attach to Jesus like he's the one true vine. You see, so many of us, we live our lives, I think you can look at our Christian lives, how we live, who we are, how we pray, what we believe, what we spend our time doing, where we put our money, where we go, where we don't go. We can look at the sum total 
addition of our lives, what it adds up to, and we can look at how we have lived. And I think for some of us, it wouldn't look like attachment to Jesus. It would look like noncommittal affection for Jesus. You see, the true, the true vine, it doesn't just desire affection, it demands attachment. The true vine doesn't just desire attention, but he demands attachment. You see, so many Christians today, and this is why I think the, the bride is probably quite smaller in reality than we think she is, but she's far more powerful in reality than we believe her to be because she's small, but she is fierce and she is mighty and God lives in her. But for a lot of us, we live impotent, powerless, weak and small Christian, quote unquote, lives because we say we have Christian values, but we don't value the Christ in Christian. You see, so many of us, we live lives where we're like, know what, we give a Jesus, we give him our attention, when do we need breakthrough? We only give Jesus our affection when we need provision. We only give Jesus our attention when life is in the pits and it sucks. We only give Jesus our affection when we need to receive something from him. So many of us, we live our lives this way and he's going, listen, I am not a genie in the bottle that you can simply rub the right way and I will respond accordingly, baby. Dated reference, I'm old. But he's not a genie in a bottle. He's Jesus the Christ, not Christina Aguilera. Hear me today, church. He's not a genie that we rub in the right way when we have the affection and attention for him, when we feel like we need a blessing from him, when we need him to throw open the floodgates of heaven. No, no, no. He doesn't just desire attention, desire affection. He demands attachment. But so many of us, we live non-committal, fly-by, late-night, flirtatious relationships with Jesus. You see, he's the true vine. We can't treat him like every other vine. Every, every other vine. Every other vine you can flirt with. The true vine you have to be married to. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. The true vine demands attachment. You see, we wonder, we wonder so often, friends, we sit here and we look at the sum total of our lives and we go, why do I feel like I'm always under attack? Why do I feel like God like, is just not with me? I don't feel his presence. There's no oil on my life. Like my prayer life isn't as powerful. I can't get in the word. Like I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Like I just feel like I'm attacked on all sides. And I wonder, I think if you're saying that, I would question, are you attached? Or do you simply give him attention when you need it? Do you live eternally attached? Or do you give him inconsistent affection when it benefits you? When it benefits you? You see, Jesus, Jesus isn't moved by momentary faith. Jesus isn't moved by Hail Mary faith. The faith that Jesus marvels at, the faith that gets him to stand up from his throne, 
is when you're like the apostle Stephen, that you are so married into this thing, so attached to this thing, that when you are preaching the gospel about to be hung upside down on a cross and killed and martyred and stoned to death for your faith, well, Jesus is like, he didn't cut and run. I'm gonna stand for this one. You see, so many of us, we give Jesus affection and we give him attention when life is in the pits. But when life is on the mountaintop, where are we to be found? Where are we to be found? Where are we to be found? He goes, no, 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 I'm the true vine. Where are you? I don't work part way. I don't have one-way relationships. Hear me today. Jesus doesn't have one-way relationships. He has nothing in him that has ever given grace, given way to, or blessed, or rested upon a one-way relationship. Are you hearing me today? Listen, so many of us, this is paramount. We cannot keep just giving him moments of affection and moments of attachment and moments of attention and thinking that is going to produce any fruit in our lives whatsoever. You see, so many of us, we're living unattached and uprooted Christianity. And then we blame the devil for the attacks on our life. Friends, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you ain't got fruit that looks like Jesus's because you've been attached to Jesus, he's not attacking you. He's not trying to steal from you. He's not trying to kill you because you don't look a thing like Jesus because you don't roll with Jesus because you're not actually attached to Jesus. I appreciate anybody this morning. We are putting some things on blast because it's high tide. We, 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 have to, we have to do this now. We can't continue on with non-committal, make-out Christianity, okay? We gotta be married. We've gotta be married. We've gotta be married. Some of us, this is how we live. We'll show up to church every couple months and it's like the devil has just been attacking me. He's kept me from here. He's kept me from this. And it's like he hasn't kept you from anything. You've kept yourself from abiding. You've kept yourself from being married to him. You've given him moments of affection like this one. The whole reason you're here is because you need something from him. What kind of marriage lives and dies on the wedding day? Is that a marriage? What kind of marriage has ever thrived where the only time a bride or a groom showed up was on the wedding day? I'm appreciating anybody this morning. No, 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 we gotta get married to Jesus. We gotta get married to Jesus. We've gotta get married to Jesus. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Listen, friends, you live fruitless lives because you live uprooted lives. There's never been a plant in the history of the world that grew bigger, stronger, faster, and produced more fruit by living uprooted. By living uprooted. I think we could take an evaluation of our lives and we could go, man, am, am I attached to the true vine? I mean, like, am I really attached? Do I have fruit that looks like Jesus's? Do I have a life that looks like Jesus's? Or do I have a life and a fruit that reflects what he says later on and we'll get to a life that's not attached but is actually apart from him? He's, he's, he's saying to every single thing, listen, I am the true vine. Why do you think the church looks the way she does 
in this hour. Because for far too long, pastors like myself stood silent, needing the bills to be paid and the pews to be filled. And we have allowed people to have non-committal, non-demanding, non-living, non-showing up to marriages with Jesus. We have said, you've got the certificate. It's signed. You have agreed to the vows. You showed up to the party and celebration, and that's all you need. Friends, a wedding ceremony isn't a marriage. Till death do us part is a marriage. But so many of us live, well, until I need something again. That's not a husband, that's a sugar daddy. That's not a bride, that's a sugar mama. Friends, I'm going to say something bold. I'm going to say something that is probably going to get me in trouble. And I don't give a rip. If the only time you are abiding in Jesus is when you show up to church, that's like only showing up in your marriage when it's time to have sex. Blunt? Yeah. Steep? Yeah. 100% real? Yeah. But we need it. I need it. Friends, church is the crescendo of a song that we are joining in with the symphony of heaven that we are supposed to be playing all week. No one jumps to the crescendo. This is a song that he is writing in our lives daily. Some of us, we've attended a lot of wedding ceremonies, but we have not been faithful in marriage. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Are you offended? Great. I love you. Let the Holy Spirit come into those areas and reveal to you He's the true vine. Every other vine you have affection for, you have attachments towards, you have history with, you got some soul ties with, needs to burn in his glory. Friends, we will never be branches on fire if we have never been with the fire. We will never be branches on fire if we are not attached to the source of the flame. Amen. We will never burn for his glory. He will never burn upon us. If we've never been touched by the flame. More than that. If we only go to the fire when we need to get warm and we don't just live in it. Friends, this is, this is what it means to be the true vine. This is what the boys and girls, the disciples were hearing at the time. However many people were around him in these last few moments, this is what they're getting. This is the picture that's being painted. They are being exposed to the reality that Jesus has to be and all be all for our lives. Friends, you can't look at a single single grapevine and you can't tell the difference between where the vine ends and the branch begins and so should it be with our lives people the world this is why we're in the condition that we are in it's because we have allowed christians for far too long to say it's okay 
to live lives that don't resemble Jesus's. Whether that's in gifts of the spirit, healings and prophecies, integrity and character, faithful in our marriages, purity, holiness, all of these things. We've just allowed, friends, narrow is the gate that leads to life and wide is the gate that gives way to destruction. It's still that way. It will remain that way. Jesus is the only way. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? And so we don't have time to keep having all these little flings with all these other little affections in our lives. He's the true vine and Jesus isn't a fling kind of guy. So don't think you can just come to him and he'll respond when you ask him to jump. No, we bow when he says bow. He doesn't jump when we say jump. He doesn't just seek affection and he doesn't just seek attention, but the true vine demands attachment. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Some of us, we've got to get a revelation that we got to get grafted in and planted down. We got to get grafted in and we got to get planted down. We got to get grafted in and we got to get planted down. Look at the fruit of your life honestly today. Turn the proverbial mirror of Jesus around on yourself and look into the eyes of the Christ, the most beautiful, the most magnificent, the holy of holies. Look into his eyes on fire and let it purify you for every other lover. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It's a lot easier when we do it ourselves than what happens next because Jesus, he goes to his boys and he goes, not only am I the true vine, but my father is the true vine dresser. Now you and I, we don't have a whole lot of context for this because we live in Michigan. Hey, hey, hands up for the mitten, let's go. We love it here, it's awesome. We got all four seasons, it's good. But what we don't really have framework for are vines, are grapes. We don't, not many of us are in the winery business so to speak. If you are, holler at your boy, okay? I'm a red cab kind of man with a steak. That's as far as that goes. Uh, someone's gonna leave church and be like, pastor drinks alcohol. I drink wine, man, come on. Um, wish I wouldn't have said that. Anyways, he says, I am the vine dresser or my father is the vine dresser. Hear me, do you know what a vine dresser does? Do you know what his job actually is? We don't have a lot of context. It's because we don't live in this time period, but this would have been all the, all the sense in the world to them because this is around them perpetually. Okay, hear me. Vine dresser does three things. He prunes, he trains, and he cultivates. He prunes, he trains, and he cultivates. He prunes, he trains, and he cultivates. We live with this understanding of God, the vine dresser, and we live in fear. We're like, all he does is take away. All he does is tell me no. All he does is ruin my fun. Friends, if you are living the kind of fun that God can ruin, that fun is sending you to hell. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Far out. I want to have fun in his glory, not fun in the dark. Preaching to anybody? Listen, listen, listen. When he prunes, he only prunes because he loves you and he cares for you. He only prunes, he takes away, he dismantles. Hear me today. He prunes away the things that do not benefit your calling, your role, and your destiny in the bride of Christ. He has a purpose for your life. And if he decides to prune something away, friends, it's because it diminishes your witness in the earth. 
If he takes something away, if he clips something away, if he comes and he uproots something in your life, it's because it does not benefit you where he has called you and it does not benefit him for what he longs to do in the earth through you. We got to welcome pruning. We got to welcome pruning. Friends, pruning is an opportunity for what? New growth to take place for something else to grow better in its place. If God says this does not benefit you and he comes in and he clips it off, what's gonna sprout from that is gonna be beautiful. Hear me today. And then he says this, he trains, he trains. I prune and then I train. I love that. So guess what? When he prunes, that which remains, he trains. That which remains, that which he leaves you with, he trains. Some of us, we hate pruning and we're like, man, I'm losing friends for following Christ. I've diminished my influence at work because I follow Christ. Like following Christ has cost me so much in the world that we live in today where everything is on fire, except the church. (laughs) And it's costing me so much. And God's like, yeah, I'm pruning a lot of things away in your life, but that which remains, I will train up. I will grow. I will make beautiful. I will use for my greater glory. It will bless you. What I allow you to keep will bless you. And then friends, he will take it further than you ever thought possible. The influence, they might clip it away for some ways in your workplace, but watch what grows out of that place of attachment. And then he goes and he cultivates. He cultivates. Well, what does that mean? That means he nurtures That means he goes out of his way to love on you. That means he goes out of his way to make a way to be with you, AKA Jesus on the cross. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. He's given you his word. He's planted you in a community that's not gonna allow you to be dumb and ruin your life. Man, you just preach a lot of for real messages. I don't want you to ruin your life. You have one go around on this planet and I owe it to God to give him a ready and faithful bride. I appreciate anybody this morning. So he cultivates, he waters, he nurtures, he feeds, he comes alongside and he places you on the most beautiful trellis where you will get the maximum impact for what he has for you. He places you on a trellis where you are gonna be the most beautiful where you are gonna have the most impact. He displays you as his bride for all of those still wandering and lost in darkness to see. And he goes, that's what I can do with a life. But it can't be a light of momentary affection. It has to be eternal attachment. I'm preaching to anybody this morning. This is what he does. I am the true vine and my father is the true vine dresser. Don't run from God because he begins to prune your life. Lean into God all the more. Lean in all the more. Friends, don't live uprooted. Live pruned. Live pruned. Live trained. God, I love the gifts of the spirit. But the reason we have people in the body of bride that the, the, the bride, that the rest of the world, the rest of the church looks at and goes, they're just weird. They're not weird. We're peculiar people. That's what God calls us. It just happens to be they were in a place that wouldn't funnel it, that wouldn't train it, that wouldn't love it, that wouldn't prune it, that wouldn't rebuke it, and wouldn't cultivate it. 
And so we ostracize them like they're some sort of leopard for having spots that look more like the fruit of Jesus than most religious people have. Preaching anybody this morning? We've got to learn to get comfortable when heaven invades earth and then we've got to prayerfully discern how to prune, train, and cultivate it. That's what we do here. We are our father's kids. Is this helping anybody? So Jesus, being awesome, he pauses. He takes a little temperature check of his boys and he's like, all right, but you've already been made clean by my word. <laughs> and we read that, and I don't think we read it with the right lens on. I don't think we read that with the right uh, um, afflection on Jesus' voice. Voice. He's like, no, no, you've, you've already been made clean. It's like a reassurance and an invitation. He's like, but you, I've already cleaned with my word. You, I've already cleaned with my word. So abide in me and I in you. So abide in me and I in you. See, we can hear how tough this is, how hard this is, how in the paint it is. And we're going, wow, that sounds demanding. That sounds crazy. That sounds wild. But friends, what marriage doesn't demand your life? Which marriage isn't wild, which isn't crazy? But rest assured, I've already cleaned you by my word. Now abide in me and I in you. You see, friends, I think this is essential for the church today because for so many of us, I think we can look at the witness of the bride in the earth today and I think we can point to, yeah, we got saved and Jesus abides, but we haven't abided, so therefore we haven't made him Lord. You see, it's interesting that he doesn't just say, I'll abide in you and that's enough right? Isn't that interesting that the king of the universe doesn't just stop with me and you, but I need you and me? Isn't that interesting that for your success as a Christian, as the bride of Christ, as a part of the body, as your destiny and purpose on this earth to be fulfilled in the way that God desires to fulfill it and use it, isn't it interesting that it's not simply enough for Jesus to abide in you, but you actually have to abide in him? You see, if we're ever going to be branches on fire, we have to not just have the fire in us, we have to live in the fire. We want to see fire upon the earth, God. Are you in the fire? God, I want to hear your voice. Are you abiding in me? God, I need you to move in my workplace. Are you moving in me in your workplace? Like, there's all of these quips that Jesus will send right back to us. And we're like, God, I just want to be able to hear your voice. That's great. I hear you. But if you're not hearing me, it's not because I'm not in you, it's because you're not in me. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. See, abiding cannot just be this Sunday moment. Listen, listen, listen. He's not interested in a weekly encounter. He's interested in daily abiding. He's not interested in a weekly encounter. It needs to be a daily abiding. Friends, church is essential to the Christian life. He made it that way. We don't get to pick fights with that. And he's called you here, so we pick a lot of fights, but not with that. He's called us to the church. He's called us to assemble as the saints. He says, do you not know you are not allowed to forsake the gathering and fellowship of the brotherhood? You're not allowed to. Crazy. His rules, his word, not mine. 
but it's in the daily, the daily encounters with him that you learn to hear his voice and you learn to steward his words. He's like, no, 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 it's, I've said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're not hearing from God, he's not the one that moved. If you feel like your life is empty of Jesus, he didn't do the forsaking or the leaving. He's never lied. He's perfect. He's incapable of it. See, friends, he calls us to abide. Abide in me and I in you. Friends, the fruit of our lives should be akin to a flamethrower that looks like the fire that we are attached to. Not just the spark that managed to fly out of the little burning that Jesus is doing on the inside of us. He's not interested in simply being a dim lit flame on the inside of you. He needs you to be a burning light for him. Abide in me. Friends, he's, he is inviting us into something that is so massive in scale, so drastically different than anything the world has ever heard before, that literally it burned the disciples so deep, changed them so radically that it changed the world. America's nowhere close to Jerusalem, and yet here we are, preaching about the one living God, worshiping the one living God, Australia, where Pastor Scott and Shani are at right now, visiting her family. Nowhere near Israel. And yet they're down there, believing and praying over Yvette for healing in her body of cancer, worshiping the Lord Jesus, preaching his word. You see, friends, abiding is what your life is to look like. We don't, we don't do non-committal hangouts with Jesus. He demands your life. So much so, hear this, this is amazing. This is amazing, amazing, amazing. He goes, abide in me and I in you that you might bear much fruit and my father will be glorified that you prove yourselves to be my disciples. You know, what's interesting. It doesn't say that God gets glory when Jesus abides in you. It's not enough. That's not what a Christian looks like. That's not what the bride looks like. That's not how God designed her to operate and be. Friends, we wonder why we're not thriving in our relationship with God. If we're not thriving in our relationship with Jesus, chances are he's the only one doing the abiding. For far too long, we've allowed it to be just that. We're the, the Otis, we're the yoke of abiding, the responsibility of abiding has rested firmly on Jesus' shoulders alone. Problem is, yoke requires two oxens. You and him. I and him. We and him. Abide in me and I abide in you that you bear much fruit. Friends, do you think Jesus lived a fruitless life? No, he changed the world. But what does it say about us if we are living fruitless lives? Because he's been abiding. Have we been abiding? 
Friends, I'm wondering this morning, are we gonna be a barren bride? Or are we gonna be a bearing bride? Hear me today, who do you wanna be? Who do you wanna be in the kingdom of heaven, on this earth, the one life that you have to make an impact for his glory, to get the most out of this life that he has given you and blessed you to have? Will you be barren and fruitless or will you be bearing much fruit? It's not enough for Jesus to abide and do all the abiding. You and I, we have to be abiding. Next, Jesus says is the real kicker. He goes, if you abide in me, listen, at this moment, he doesn't even reference he abiding in you. That's just natural. That's shorthand at this point. And this next thing he says, amazing. If you abide in me, in my words, abide in you, you can ask for anything and my father will give it to you. Hear me today, for far too long, we have lived for good theology. And we've accepted, hear me, we've accepted barren God encounters. Hear me, I love good theology. I'm a Bible nut. I'm a church history nut. This is what I do. It's what I long for. It's what I live for. More than just being a pastor, I love, I love it. I am reading constantly. I'm in the books. I love it. I devour it all. I love the church. I love the bride. But good theology is the framework for God experiences. What good is the framework without the experience of him? He's saying right here, if my word abides in you, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask for anything, anything. And my father will give it to you. Hear me today. There's a massive, not caveat, but there's a a massive small print at the bottom of that because these boys, they would have understood and we miss it so often. We go, awesome, in Jesus' name, I want a Ferrari now. And it's like, I don't think, could be wrong, welcome to be rebuked. Maybe God told you something different specifically, but I don't believe that for every Christian on the planet, God's desire is for you to have a Ferrari, okay? You might need to drive around a 1997 Saturn that weighs nothing, sucks in the winter, and be humble about it, okay? Because he knows you better than I do. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. This isn't wish fulfillment. This is will fulfillment. This isn't wish fulfillment. This is will fulfillment. Are you hearing me? This isn't wish fulfillment. This is will fulfillment. See, friends, the reason so many of us, we don't pray bold, audacious, wild, and intimidating prayers, but yet instead most of us, we just throw up a little, small, weak, impotent, and shy, and timid prayers, and we use language like if. Jesus never used the word if when asking God to move. Why? Because Jesus never questioned God's will. Why? Because Jesus lived with his word on the inside of him. 
Friends, you and I, we question God's will and we pray prayers like, God, if it's your will, would you move? Would you heal? If God, if it's your will, would you? If it's your will, if it's your will, if it's your will. No, no, no. If you abide in Christ and his word abides in you, you don't have to question his will. It's abiding in you. You'll know what to pray when the moment comes because you know what he has and what he's done. Listen, so many of us, we throw up these shy little weak guy prayers and it's because Jesus has been doing the, bless you, because Jesus has been doing the majority of the abiding. So we know him enough to know that he's able, but we haven't done much abiding, so we don't know him enough to know that he wants to. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? We know him enough, friends, to know that he is able. We don't know him enough to know that he wants to. We've got to be abiding in him, his words in us. And it's in those moments that we sniper down the, the, the ploy and the plot of the enemy. It's in those words that we see healing come to bodies. It's in those words that we see deaf ears open, that we see someone run out of a grave. It's in those words that we see marriages restored. It's in those words that we see sexuality restored. It's in those words that we see a generation given over to the purification of Christ. But if we're not abiding in him and his word isn't getting on the inside of us, I mean, think about that. Think about that. He goes from him being in us to his word being in us. And so that means, friends, the daily Bible verse isn't enough for his word to abide in us. We have to spend time with this. We have to give our lives to this. Friends, the Lord's been teaching me and he's been showing me. He's going, going Matt, this next year, I want you to teach that church how to spend their lives on Jesus how to spend their youth on Jesus, how to spend the twilight years in their senior years. How do you spend that on Jesus? How do you spend your marriage on Jesus? How do you spend your single season on Jesus? How do you spend your life on Jesus? And friends, it starts first with abiding. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? He's like, you can ask for anything anything and you'll know what to ask for because his word is on the inside of you you don't just know him enough to know that he's able but you know him enough to know that he wants to and that he is just waiting for you to ask seek and knock at the door you have not because you ask not and you ask not because you know not He is inviting us into a place of deep knowing of him where he's not just a Sunday savior, but he is an everyday Lord. I got saved. Awesome. He abides in you. Is he Lord? Because that means you're abiding in him. Savior and Lord. Friends, dead and gone, 
are the days of religion where we can live non-committed relationships with Jesus. There is a marriage supper of the lamb that you and I are invited to. But it's a marriage. It's an attachment. It's an abiding. And he goes on to say at the end there, he goes, just as the Father loves me, so I love you. Now abide in my love. See, we live in a place right now where being invited into this thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us because we've, we've lowered the water table for what love is and what it looks like. You see, we live in a world with phrases that say, you are worthy of love. Well, who's love? Other broken, fractured people living lives that are sending them to hell? Great, thanks for that. But then Jesus speaks a better word called abiding. And he invites us into a love that God has for him, that he now has for us. It's the greatest love ever known. It's the greatest love that's ever existed. It's the purest love. It's the definition of love. It is love embodied because it is God's love. It is this love that you and I are invited into that blows every other lover out the water. It's a love that takes you in, raptures you up, grips you, ruins every other taste you've ever had for any other wine, and you get at his table. As you live as a bride and you enter into the marriage and the supper of the Lamb, He said, so I have loved you. Do you think, do you think that Jesus has a relationship with God the Father that has no demands on it? No. It's the single most demanding relationship in all of the universe. But it's in that. It's in that attachment. It's in the fulfillment of that demand. If you keep my commandments, you what? You have proven that you love me. It's in the fulfilling of those demands of the relationship that you and I will live the fulfillment of our lives that Jesus has for us. So much so, friends, that he concludes this whole awesome moment by saying that my joy may be in you and your joy may be fulfilled. What is his joy? His joy is his person. His joy is his presence. His joy is his power. His joy is his identity. His joy is his relationship with you. His joy is his relationship with the Father. His joy is his relationship with the Holy Spirit. His joy is in reaping all that God has promised to him by his sowing of his life on the cross and in the tomb. 
want to talk about abiding? A dead seed went in the ground and a living people sprouted forth. And that's you, and that's me, and that's what we're invited into, would you stand? So this morning, in conclusion, the branch that comes from the vine should be indistinguishable. We shouldn't be able to tell the difference between where Jesus ends and you and I begin. Well, Matt, it sounds like you're calling for perfection. I'm not. I'm calling for abiding. No, Matt, I think you just spent the last hour telling us I need to be perfect. No, I've been telling you, you need to be abiding. Abiding in Christ is the perfecting of the saints. Abiding in Christ is the perfecting of the saints. So for this moment right now, it's it's my charge. We're going to sing this last song. We're going to kill these lights and we're going to be intimate with the Lord yet again. If you got to grab your kids, if you got to go, we totally understand. But in this moment, I put the challenge out. I do. Don't you dare leave here today without the conviction to be found abiding in Christ Jesus. And so as we begin to sing, as we begin to worship, if you want to live a life with God that isn't just knowing a lot about him but having a lot of experiences with him I invite you to come down front I'm not going to invite pastors to come and pray over you unless they feel led to but really what I'm inviting you into is a physical act of faith where you decide you know what I'm going to risk reputation right now because maybe the person next to you thinks you're just the most like Holy Spirit filled gifted believer on planet earth but you know that you've been living a fraud or you've been living afraid and you've been living in insecurities I'm going to invite you to have an act of faith where you risk reputation for intimacy where you give over the security of your seat and you dive head first into abiding and you come up here as you come and you rest and you get on your knees, you stand before God, you do whatever it is, you dance, you sing, you shout, you give him whatever it is that the Holy Spirit is calling you to give him as a first step in obedience toward a life of abiding. So I'm going to pray. When I say amen, begin to come forward if he's calling you to. We're going to sing, we're going to worship, we're going to give God a praise that he's due. And then we're going to have a great week conquering the kingdom of hell for the kingdom of heaven. Father God, I thank you for this moment. King Jesus, right now I ask that you would just begin to rule and reign right now, God. That right now, God, there is no movement that isn't underneath your authority. That right now, God, there isn't any thought that's running away with us that isn't under your authority. That right now, Lord, 
You have the authority in this room. This room is your domain. Our bodies are your domain. Our minds are your domain. Our hearts are your domain. God, Lord, we long. We long to live a life of design. We long to live the life that you paid for. We lived along the life that you spoke, Lord, into existence. One where we walk with you hand in hand, where we sing with you song and song, harmonizing our lives with you, God. One, Lord, that we're not just given over as creatures to momentary affection and moments of attention, but today, God, we would be the bride that enters into the marriage of the supper of the Lamb, God, and we become attached to you. Lord, make us indistinguishable from you. Let the world receive a testimony today that there is a bride in West Michigan, God, that sounds like her husband, has a distinct voice of her husband, has a distinct love of her husband, has the distinct characteristics of Lord Jesus, that today, God, we would leave here so abiding in who you are, not just you lifting the heavy weight of abiding in us, but we would be found abiding in you, God, and we would live such a distinct and indistinguishable life, God, that we would be attached to you and set apart from this world. Father, right now I pray as people come forward, if you'd like, Father, right now I pray that you take over this moment. I pray for the gift of tongues to descend to this church. If you, if you pray in tongues, would you just begin to lift up tongues right now? If you pray in tongues, would you just begin to pray? Just begin to pray in the Spirit right now. Right now, the Lord is moving in this moment. Lift it up. Don't keep it to yourself. Right now, let the tongues run so it sets fire upon your brothers and sisters. Right now, Lord. We just give this over to you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in this moment. Set us on fire, God. Let us be branches on fire, God. Branches that look like our vine dresser. Look like he's pruned us. Look like he trained us. Looks like he's cultivated us. God, right now, Lord. We're praying. We lift up our song, Lord. Worship team, begin to sing. Yes, right there, right there, right there. Open the heavens, God. Open the heavens, God. Right in this moment, Lord, convict us for abiding, God. We give our lives to the abiding Christ. Right now, Lord, we choose, God. We abide in you, God. No longer will we live uprooted. We will live grafted in, attached to you. Lives that are abiding, that are found more in you than in any other love or any other affection. Spirit fall. Holy Spirit fall. Open the heavens, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Make us 